Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. sounds familiar my name is caleb and i have nothing quippy to say because this episode wants to break me (laughs) for the record that isn't because of the movies it's because this is like the fifth or sixth time we've tried to start recording this episode and something has gone wrong every single time so we're hoping that this will be the time that it doesn't we only got four seconds into the last tape (laughs) and then our cat jumped up on the keyboard Okay. she is locked away in a room. Yes, so we there had is to put nothing... her in a room for a little bit. The... Barring... An act of God. Barring an act of God, there is currently nothing to prevent you and I from discussing speed and flight plan. <laughs> well, thank God, because that's an important discussion to have. <laughs> okay, so that's our pairing this week. Um, so, Caleb, once again... It's it's not once again for you guys, but it's once again for us because, like I said, we've had to do this like five times already. Caleb, can can you kind of summarize what our basis of comparison is for these two? Speed is about a terrorist who puts a bomb on a bus, and if the bus bus goes below a certain speed, it'll explode. Flight plan is about people on a plane, and someone plants a bomb on the plane. The speed element isn't really there, but we figured it was good enough. <laughs> if the plane falls under 700 miles per hour, <laughs> I don't know how fast planes go. That's approximately. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if they fell under that while they were still in the air, they might have other problems. I, don't, I also don't know how planes if work. If the plane Again. goes below 20,000 feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or something like that. Well, it would certainly prevent them from landing. I don't know. It could be interesting. See, that's there you go. Well, the plane doesn't have to be speed because you can... Mm. You know, you've got the third dimension to work, work That's with. That's true. They should make a speed three because there was a speed two, speed two cruise control, which apparently is really awful. Surprised there wasn't a speed it. three. Uh, they should definitely make a speed three with an airplane. So when the people escape, they have to like parachute out or something. Are you looking at speed three? Yes. <laughs> Are you at speed two? No, nope, it just returned speed. Yeah. No, I swear speed two cruise control is a thing. There is a fake trailer for speed three. Wow. Uh, lots of this fake. This time it's like, personal. There's a fake poster, speed three, high altitude. Oh my God. Well, here, actually, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> speed three, the lake house. The bus was just the beginning. <laughs> if this house goes under 100 miles per hour. <laughs> Someone get a tornado in here quick. Well, <laughs> no, okay, but but here's the thing: if they can make however many fucking sequels to Die Hard exist, Oof. like that, if they can make that many sequels to Die Hard, they can definitely make sequels to a movie that the premise of which actually holds up pretty well in different iterations. Right, you can <laughs> like, translate that fairly well. Right, whereas like Die Hard has absolutely no reason. I ran right, about imagine this <laughs> you're in you're in a universe where uh, a bomber does that uh, to the bus you know if it goes under this speed you know the, it'll it'll explode and i bet every other 
bomb, bomb maker yeah. in the world was going to be like, hey, hey now, now that's, that's interesting. That's an idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This guy just revolutionized the whole field. Exactly. I feel like you could justify some sequels with that. Or maybe if there's like a guy on a bike and if he goes under, you know. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so we're going to stop pitching now. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah. Um, the basic premise of both being... Uh, some form of mass transportation being hijacked for sinister purposes, which is uh, maybe a little more specific than some of the <laughs> starting points we've done on here. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it should be interesting. We've been more vague. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and start with Speed, whichever year this came out. The 1994. 90s. Okay. Oh, our birth year. Oh, cool. Um, so, so, um, experiences, um, I have now seen it twice. I actually only just saw it for the first time a month or so ago and actually watched it within a few days of watching Flight Plan. So watching them so close together made me think, huh, I wonder if we could pair these together on the show. Um, and then we did. And then we sure did. Uh, yeah, so I really liked it. Um, I had heard about it before, though I didn't really know much besides, like, the basic premise. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I kept expecting to be bored at some point, but I never really was. It's just really fun and exciting the whole way. What about you, Caleb? Uh, my parents owned the VHS, and it was never once removed from the shelf. <laughs> um, and well, the first time I saw it was last week. Okay, so yeah, you've only seen it once. Um, yeah, so the, this was slightly before our time, quote unquote, because it came out the year we were born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually, I don't know. I haven't seen that many, ni- well, I haven't seen that many 90s movies that weren't made by Disney. Uh, I certainly haven't seen that many 90s action movies. Um, I've heard of a lot of them, but I haven't really seen that many. So I don't really know if the, how similar or one. different this what? Name another 90s action movie. Um, The Mummy? <laughs> I'm, I mean, that's 99. That's action adventure. Action adventure is very different. It's not this type of action movie. You're no. right. This action movie is more like, more like Die Hard or whatever. Yes. Um, shit. Die Hard's the 80s. Okay, this can't... I know I've seen other ones. I just don't know. The Matrix? I'm not going to count the Matrix either. Okay. That's sci-fi. I, you know what? My brain doesn't want to do this <laughs> right now. I've proven my point, though. Yes, yes. Not, I, that, not that Stephanie doesn't know movies, uh-huh. just that when pushed well, to remember yeah. a 90s action well, flicks. I, I, the only reason I was saying that was because I was wondering like how similar or different this was to a lot of the stuff that was coming out at the time. That's always something I'm kind of interested in when it comes to movies is like where they fit into the cultural context and because i don't know that much about the cultural context of i guess the year i was born i, I got nothing so <laughs> well, see flight plan i think i could speak to a little bit more because of kind of the post 9 11 era but we'll get into that later okay so speed let's see oh gosh i don't even know where to start with this one little baby keanu reeves plays a cop <laughs> in los angeles um he is acting for a completely different movie than everyone else in this movie like his partner and the police chief everyone older than him is very much acting like for an 80s action flick Mm. and keanu reeves is bringing his 
heaviest bad boy Keanu Reeves weird voice affectation. Do- just way too he's, much energy to he's it. He's doing the voice. He's doing the voice that I don't like. And not just when he does it, because to be fair, I think that's kind of just how his voice sounds. <laughs> but but this role doesn't help. Um, he's doing the, uh, the what's-his-face in Pacific Rim voice that <laughs> I can't See, I don't even in. remember his name. Uh, Charlie Hunnam. That's the, well, that's the actor. I don't remember the character's name. Yeah, exactly. I fucking love Pacific Rim, and I, I don't know the main Raleigh, character's name. Raleigh. Raleigh. I remember. I was like, he's named after some city or something. <laughs> like, yeah, and God knows why. But, um, yeah, yeah, he's doing that, like, jockey voice that, oh, God. But to be fair, it does fit the character. Like, this character is so insufferable like, I'm almost to the point of not liking him, but not quite, because I think he... Okay, let me rephrase that. He is insufferable until he starts having to interact with the people on the bus, and then you start to like him a little bit more, but only because he's now having to just, like, I don't know, act like a person <laughs> a little bit more, yes. I would say. Like, like in the earlier scenes, when it's just him and Jeff Daniels... um who I haven't seen in a lot of things. The only things that I know he's in is like Dumb and Dumber, and I'm literally never going to watch any of those. Uh, so that's all I got. Um, <laughs> Hank just told me yesterday that his friends forced him to go see the new, most recent one in theaters when it came out like two years ago, and he hated it so much that he then forced them to go see Sherlock Holmes without... Not Sherlock Holmes. What was it? Is that what it was? Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. The Will Ferrell and John C. They made oh, them God. watch Holmes and Watson without telling them how bad it was. That sounds like a lot of people who deserve each other. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That, I, wild horses could not drag me there. Like, um. Don't you mean wild stallions? Well, sure. <laughs> I, yeah, of course. Why the hell not? Anyway. I will say that in those earlier scenes, Jeff Daniels is more tolerable than Keanu Reeves. Infinitely. Yeah, because he's being kind of like the, the like, okay, bro, tone it down guy. And Keanu Reeves is like, I'm a cop who also dismantles bombs. He's, he's like, I'm a cop and I'm cool and I don't play by the rules. Yeah. And whereas Jeff Daniels' whole persona is, damn, I'm two days away from retirement. <laughs> and then... Like, they have this whole conversation <laughs> where Jeff Daniels is, like, trying to quiz him on, like, what to do in a specific hostage situation. And right. Keanu Reeves is like, you shoot the hostage. I know. And Jeff Daniels is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Bro, calm the fuck down. <laughs> I know. He's like, he's right, but he shouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, at least he's accurately representing cops now. Um... Yeah, but um, I will say that as awful and douchey as that whole thing is, it is, I don't know if necessary is the right word, it's important setup for him later because he has to learn to actually care about people's lives. Right, so this is a fairly well-constructed movie. Like, if I were teaching a film class... I would probably show this movie. Like, it doesn't have to be deep to be well-constructed. Exactly. It's not very deep. A lot of the decisions, or like, script-wise, like, plot twists are not surprising. Right. But it's intensely well-constructed. Yes. It is solid and stable, and, like, someone was reading a screenwriting book and making sure they hit every right proper note. Right. And, and they're not surprising, but they do keep you on your toes, I guess, because it's, um... 
Yeah, the pacing is really good. Well, because for one thing, it's really fast, but it's broken up occasionally by by little moments or, or little breaks. Of course, it helps that there is the whole side plot line of Jeff Daniels and company trying to catch the, the guy. And so um, you kind of go back and forth between those storylines. But even on the, like, <laughs> the bus or whatever happens, like, before and after that, there's still little moments where, like, they'll overcome one hurdle and then they'll be, they like, have, talking. They have a so. chance to catch their breath for a right, moment. Right, right. And so do we as the audience, which like is very the, important. The bomber at least gives them that. Yeah, exactly. He's like, <laughs> um, I'll let y'all chill for a while. No problem. Like, I got all the time in the world. Exactly. Um, in addition to being, you know, just generally well-constructed and the pacing being good, um, there is also, like, follow-up on pretty much everything. Um like every lesson that Jeff Daniels character tries to teach Keanu Reeves like he ends up learning at some point in the latter half of the movie but without it being like beating you over the head obvious like yes. there's no flashbacks to Jeff Daniels being like <laughs> you remember you got to blah 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 and Keanu Reeves and being like i got to do the thing no it's it's all it's it's fairly subtle sometimes yes. i would say yeah um um Oh, did you actually take notes? No, I'm not. I'm not taking notes. I'm writing down thoughts as I'm having oh, okay. them, so I don't forget them. Okay. Um. I. I guess I kind of want to go through the plot just a little bit. Yeah. To help jog my memory. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Um, there aren't a whole lot of revolutions. Right. But it starts off with um, there's a bomb threat called in an office building. Um, there are hostages trapped in an elevator. There is C4 strapped to the elevator brakes, um, and the terrorist is in the service elevator, um, and Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels are partners, and Keanu Reeves is like, well, we gotta go do something, um, cause I don't remember why. He assumes the bomber's gonna blow it at some point, or what have you, and so, um, he makes a move to get all of the hostages free. Um, which sounds good, but it's also clear that he's very reckless and, like, is doing stuff that could just potentially get them killed anyway. Yeah. Um, like, several people almost get sliced in half while they're being pulled out of the elevator. Yeah, that one's tense when you first start watching the movie and you don't know whether or not they're actually gonna go there. <laughs> like... Right. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, I don't really want to see that. Right, because but... one of the first things that happens in the movie is someone gets stabbed in the ear with a screwdriver and just drops dead, so you don't know what this movie's bar is. Turns out that's it. That's I was the gonna bar. say, it is kind of funny, because <laughs> that's, like, the most, like, graphically violent thing that happens in the entire movie and it's literally the first thing that happens but i guess that's there to keep you on your toes like you don't know what this guy's gonna do like yeah oh and that's all after a several several <laughs> minutes long credit thing. sequence with the elevator slowly going yeah. down an elevator shaft which like would make more sense in like die hard where mm. moving in and out of the elevator shaft at multiple points in the movie becomes very important. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is the last, after the first 10 minutes, we're yeah. never involved with this again. So I it's like, it spends three <laughs> minutes showing credits and going down this elevator shaft and then says, speed. And you're like, well, that I was mean, fucking it's, slow. It's, it's irony. I think it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but it's like, you just have to absolutely crawl through these credits and then it's like, speed. And you're like, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> But but it does deliver eventually. Yeah, the um the act structure is interesting because the elevator thing, like you mentioned, is not very long, and yet um when you consider the 
the hijackings that are done by the uh, the central antagonist. You have the elevator first, then you have the bus, then you have the subway, and the the bus is oh obviously God. the most famous part. That's the the middle part's the biggest part. What? I was gonna make a planes, trains, and automobiles joke in the, in the <laughs> intro, but I was like, there were no trains, and I totally Kinda forgot about was. the subway. Yeah, yeah, God yeah. damn it! There is elevators, I'm buses, and, now. and subways. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, see, now you made the joke. I'm really disappointed in myself. Oh, you well, can finish you your know thought. you were gonna make it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. It's a, like a pretty, pretty big second act, and then like kind of bookended by the first and third. Right, act. you don't expect the third act. I know. Kind of comes. The second out, act like, is oh. so long, and also the main, the central conceit of the movie, mm-hmm. right, is the the bus gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um. So by the time the second act ends, you're like. Good, happy ending. Yeah. No, the movie still got like fifteen or twenty more minutes, and the movie really does trick you into thinking it's over too. Like it kind of has that sense of like, oh, well, this is a good place for it to end, right? This is a good place for it to end, right? <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, to- with the topical memes as always. Yeah, I'm just dating myself. Here. Um, figure out a way to squeeze in a Batman joke. Oh my God, um, you know it's coming. So- Unlike. <laughs> <laughs> She did it. We've met our quota. We can move on. Oh, uh, I love how firmly placed in this particular week this episode's going to be now. <laughs> um, okay, so, right, right. So, yeah, the subway thing, I do kind of like that as a little last third act twist because it's just like, this man does not fucking quit. Like, which is cool. You you like that in your This man will strap a bomb to anything. <laughs> I mean, he literally will. Somebody stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'll strap a bomb to a bomb. <laughs> I'm crazy. Okay. Um, yes. So yeah, back backing up. Um, yeah, the elevator thing happens, and of course, because his little plan is foiled, he's pissed. Um and Jeff Daniels gets taken hostage. Keanu right. Reeves has to yes. shoot the hostage. Yes. Shoots him in the leg. Um Which was not a bad idea i mean under the circumstances i mean he could have just fucking shot him but well he did shoot you know (laughs) the bomber runs away there's an explosion but we don't see the bomber die and so he literally runs away cackling like or he like backs away (laughs) cackling and closes the door that guy would have made a great batman villain (laughs) yes (laughs) he would have made a fantastic like adam west or michael oh my god you're right he really did have that energy yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't even remember the name of the guy who plays him, but I really like the character just because he, he like, talks a lot, which is pretty funny because he's obviously not that interested in seeming, like, cool or mysterious. He's just, he just loves to taunt He's confident in how much smarter he is. He's yeah, like, exactly. This man would have made a great Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> right, and he's, oh, and he's constantly... Uh, taunting uh, Jack justifiably about how stupid he is like <laughs> just over and over again is like it's gonna take brains which we know is one thing you don't have Jack like or something like that you know or whatever he says he I, is a very fun antagonist oh yeah yeah he because he's clearly having a great time and then the moment he's not having a great time he's gonna let you know <laughs> and he's gonna be fucking pissed and yell at you it's fantastic um, yeah so that doesn't work um, they don't apprehend the guy, but whatever. They they saved the hostages in the elevator. Everything's great. <laughs> I love how there's an everything's great at the bad guy's defeated moment, like, twice. 
in this movie and neither time is it true until the very end um yeah and then of course because he's pissed and he still wants the money that he didn't get a measly three million dollars which i know in the 90s was more it's just funny because i'm like there's a lot of stuff i do for three million dollars but that i don't know i don't know man you'd have to add another zero probably um so yeah he ends up somehow putting this bomb on the well okay i guess it's not that hard to put a bomb on a bus you just have to sneak into the bus barn or wherever puts the bomb on the bus and then of course jack has to do all this wacky stuff to even get on the bus in the first place right there's a very very long sequence of just him trying to get on the bus which um, i think it's cool because he it's runs cool. up to the bus and like bangs on the door and is like hey let me on and the bus driver's like oh no crazy guy when you yeah, know and then no. he pulls out a badge like a minute later like no obviously the, led with the badge. lead with the badge yeah lead with the badge no but i i do like how in this movie it's like he has to he he has to fight for it every step of the way like none of it comes easy to him like he has to find out where the bus is he has to hijack a car which i guess now That's he's also a hijacker to chase the bus yes the, yes the forces like he's having to fight against something every step of right, the way right right it's never easy and he has to come up with all this stuff on the fly which clearly tests him because he's not smart apparently um well, I guess that's not that unbelievable. I was going to say supposedly, because, I mean, he wins. Right, right. <laughs> I, know. I think I think it's more like we're supposed to understand that he he is just not in a way that, um, what's his fuck, the, the bomber guy respects. He, he is very convinced of his superior intellect, which ironically is why it's why he's able to trick him, because he's so cocky about it. Um yeah, so he has to get on the bus, which is a fun sequence uh, because he, he, like, steals this poor guy's car, but the guy is still in the car, so he basically kidnaps this guy. Um, and then they're having to, like, write notes to the bus driver. They're having to, like, <laughs> when they tell him that there's a bomb on the bus, but they aren't able to tell him not to slow down. He, of course he's going to start to slow yeah, down. He's he going to try to pull over. Yeah, they're like, wait, no. And they literally get so close to blowing up. Um, but then, yeah, eventually he's able to get on the bus. Um, and, and I, yeah, the bus is really cool because it's like this very small space that forces all these characters to interact in like very close proximity and under very tense circumstances, which is always great. Um, and of course, <laughs> pretty quickly the, the bus driver gets shot because there's some guy on the bus who apparently thought he was going to get arrested because he's Mexican or whatever. I, I don't know. I think the implication was that he was guilty of something and was like, they're here for me. Yeah. And then some other guy tackles him when the situation's about to be diffused. Which oh, is yeah. Which is frustrating like, oh, as a viewer. Why would you? Uh, I mean, I get it because, you know, it, it, he's probably thinking along the lines of like, oh, if there was a guy with a gun and he was going to shoot people, I would just tackle him. And that's, of course, what he does. But then, like... Artemis is upstairs and pissed that she's locked in the I room, know, so she's, she's knocking she's shit over. She's throwing a tantrum. She can get over it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I have no time for Kitty's shenanigans tonight. I'm trying to record a podcast. God damn it, Daddy's recording a podcast. <laughs> it's fine. I think she's just playing. But yeah, so um, so the driver gets shot, but fortunately. A lovely lady is here to take up the steering wheel, and that is very early career Sandra Bullock at her Sandra Bullockist 
in the best way. I like her. No, she's great. She she's she's really bringing it, and sometimes is, is out acting Mr. Reeves a little bit. But Look, that's in okay. 1994, that wasn't difficult. <laughs> no, it wasn't difficult. And, and they they have good chemistry, so it works. Um, um, there's a fun little gag where she's like, I should, you should probably know I lost my license. And he's like, why'd you, why'd you lose your license? Speeding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like looks directly into the camera. Right. Like, look, even our, even our tense thrillers can, can be funny. Oh no. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is actually pretty funny consistently. Like it. There aren't a lot of super serious parts. I, th- I think when it really needs to be, it is. Right. It, it, ha- it is able to hold its tone when it needs to. Yes. Um, and, and has kind of fun, like, character-based humor, too. Like, um, the, the, the humor comes from, like, the different types of people that are in the situation right. together. Like, poor Cameron is on vacation. <laughs> yes. Got out of Chicago for the first time <laughs> in his fucking life and... Uh, this happens. No, I love I love him in this one. <laughs> like he's like, oh god, what did he says? He's like, god damn it! And he's like, oh darn. <laughs> 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 I love him so much. Um, gosh, what else has that guy been in? He's, he's look. The only really other thing I know he's been he's in is a single episode of Scrubs. Obviously, oh. excluding Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, yeah, but but I I really like him in both of those. Um. Of course, <laughs> oh, the, my my only criticism, I guess, about uh, the the bus and its inhabitants is that all the people in the back just don't exist. <laughs> like it's like you have you better have been sitting at the front, or you don't get to have a stake in this yeah, game. You, you don't get any lines, <laughs> which is a little funny to me. Especially like occasionally they'll like pan around the bus and like show different people's faces, and I'm like, who are you people? <laughs> who are those people? And it's like, oh, those are people who are just totally fine with this. Like they do this every day. They they don't they don't care <laughs> that they're about LA. to die on this bus. Exactly. Yeah, they've seen worse. Um, but for for the characters that do get lines, they're they're really good. And um, yeah. So of course, like Sandra Bullock's driving. Uh, the the first big hurdle, I guess, is that they have to get the driver off the bus. Um, which the uh, which they I keep wanting to call him a terrorist, but like we already kind of talked about those. Like, is he a terrorist? Does he have a political m- motivation? I say yes. Okay, well, you'd be getting into semantics here, which I'm fine with. Um, yeah, yeah. So his ultimate goal is him getting money, which I guess yeah. that that would not make him a terrorist. His targets specifically, and the reason he wants the money is kind of politically motivated. I guess that's because he feels he was like shortchanged by his career as a cop and didn't get his yeah. pension or got a really small pension and the shitty gold watch that we keep going back to. And that's why mm-hmm. he's like that's why he wants I'm the money. I about to say this guy maybe has some good points, but I don't know. Um <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe if he had just said, you know what, fuck the police, and said things would have turned out better, though probably not in the 90s. Um, but I don't know. He's like an old white man. It probably would have been fine for him. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the, the, the bomber, the terrorist, whatever you want to call him. Um, I actually don't even remember his name. Whoop. 
Um, I, don't, I don't remember the name of anyone in this movie. It's I know, fine. I know. I only remember Jack because they say it a million times, or he says it a million times specifically. He loves to call him Jack, and it's funny because it sounds like how an old man will say Jack is just like a stand-in name for like whoever, yeah. like hit the road Jack or whatever. So whenever he says that, it's just funny to me because he sounds like an old like timey dude that being is like, funny. "Now listen here, Jack." Or something. <laughs> um. So yeah, he actually does let them get the the bus driver off. Because he's wounded and because um, Jack rather smartly tells him it will buy him some goodwill with the um, with whoever's supposed to give him the money. Right. Which is never really clear who's supposed to I give him the money. I think that like cities are supposed to have a fund for a this sort of fund. thing. A ransom fund? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, do they actually? I don't know. It would make sense. <laughs> They've probably got like ransom insurance or something. Yeah, that's one thing. That's also an annoying thing is like it, the the amount of time it takes them to even consider giving him the money. Like eventually they do, but for the number of people that are on this bus, like and the amount of manpower there and and danger to the people on the streets of LA that that is happening here. It takes them a really fucking long time. Like, yeah, the total property damage caused by them trying to oh, get the bus insane. onto the freeway is probably more than they would have paid him. Uh, not to mention that plane. Oh, yeah, and they blew up a plane. So, yeah, probably more than they would have had to pay him. Yeah, it, it's bad. Um, and, and so I'm like, which, risk, which like, rich asshole... Which, which rich asshole <laughs> wouldn't just pony up the money to save, like, a dozen people's lives? Probably more. Oh, wait. I'm not surprised at all. Anyway, um, so they get him off the bus. But then, of course, the, the first, like, actual casualty being the one lady who <sighs> just couldn't stay on the bus, man. She just had to get off. Like, I get it. That but bus also, was like, too damn fast. I know. It was too fast. <laughs> she just had to leave. Like, um, which can't handle the speed get out of the bus you know <laughs> which i mean i guess that was a pretty necessary thing to happen because because the ideas floated so much like well can't we just get off the bus we needed to see that no you cannot just get off the bus right like, you know what happens if you get off the bus you die, you die. <laughs> <laughs> right right and he i actually am not sure how he did this because i I guess I thought he only had like one big bomb he on the bus. He had a but camera he... inside the no, 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 bus, I and he had a he did have a special like smaller bomb, right? Okay, to, on, directly underneath the. I was going to say, um, I, I didn't know if there was another bomb like specifically under the steps, which is the part mm-hmm. that he blows up. There was, um, and uh, so so yeah, unfortunately, she bites it, which um also is a pretty pretty like gnarly turnaround because it literally happens right after they get the injured driver off the bus and everyone is like cheering and happy because they were you know they all love the guy because he's their bus driver like every day and they're all happy that he's gonna survive and then like immediately (laughs) she tries to get off gets blown up and and run over yeah yeah like literally goes under the wheels of the bus though mercifully we don't see it um and then like everyone's just silent like oh right this is still really bad (laughs) like which is good that and i think like we said that's another thing the movie does really well like it it keeps your interest going it keeps the tension high while still relieving it at yes i i whoever wrote the screenplay is some sort of genius because (laughs) there is always some new threat i guess it's like the freeway's ending soon uh we missed our turn the 
we can't uh, someone's injured we can't get people off the bus the freeway isn't finished <laughs> um yeah we're running out uh we, we have punctured the gas tank and are running out of oh, fuel yeah. the... um, because why not um, and of course it's all stuff that makes sense in that kind of situation like if you are in a situation where you are stuck on on a bus that has to go a certain uh, speed. There's all these obstacles. You can't get off. It makes sense that things would keep happening that would like keep throwing a wrench in that because that's not a sustainable situation. So it it kind of reminds me like structurally a little bit of like Mad Max Fury Road because it, it is an extremely linear plot for an action movie. Like almost literally physically linear. Like so much <laughs> of it is like until uh, they end up driving in circles for right, five minutes. Right, right. <laughs> Directly moving from A to B. And yet keeps it very interesting throughout and, and never really drags. Um, yeah, and then, of course, yeah, various obstacles as they have to get this bus on this um, unfinished freeway that um, isn't in use. So that's another point where it's like, oh, we're all relieved. We're off the busy streets of L.A., which, by the way, they managed to get through without, like, killing anyone. And, like, even the part where Sandra Bullock thinks she ran over a baby, which is pretty hilarious if you know that she didn't, <laughs> like... <laughs> then all the cans fly out and it's almost like a oh fuck you moment. like okay sh- yeah that you know i take one. back every nice thing i yeah. said about you screenwriter <laughs> right i guess i don't know i i feel like it's almost a little unre- unrealistic that no pedestrians were killed but maybe that would have been a little no too pedestrians dark. were harmed in the filming of this movie yeah the making of this movie <laughs> Um, I guess they couldn't have it so that sweet little Sandra Bullock actually killed someone with that bus. So, <laughs> you know. Um, hey, yes. Matthew Broderick did it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. With a so, bus? No, not with a bus. Just with um, his car. It's fine. Um, so the there's a running joke in this movie about um, how when you retire as a cop, all the, all you get is a shitty gold watch. And the... One of the reasons, like, the main way they're able to figure out who he is, like, narrow it down and catch the bomber <laughs> is because he used his shitty retirement watch as the timer on the bomb on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny, uh, might have been, I don't know if this would have been any good, it sounds good in my head, if the bomb failed. So the bomb is set to detonate if the bus goes below 50 but also has a timer set by the watch and i think it would have been funny if the shitty watch broke and therefore the bomb wasn't able to go off because of that because the watch was literally a shitty shitty. (laughs) oh my god you know what that would have actually been pretty funny i mean it wouldn't have been nearly as satisfying a payoff (laughs) for the movie but it would have been funny yeah um yeah, so, oh gosh, okay, so what happens after that? They get on the freeway, but oh no, there's a gap in the freeway. They jump the... They fucking jump this bus, like, they just fully go, whoop, like, right across the gap, which, you know what, good for them, good good for Sandra. <laughs> what? It's just ridiculous. What, you don't believe a bus can perform a flying leap like that and not injure anyone on board? Hey, you know, I... Hey, did Mythbusters test I've that? I've seen it. That seems like a good, good thing for them to test. I'm gonna say no. <sighs> I know. I was gonna say it was probably an insurance nah. thing, but that's probably not true because they did the... They do some They did the Jado Rocket car myth, like, 
three or four yeah, times. They should have done it. Hmm. You know, I. You know what? That's scratching some <laughs> sort of. It, I feel. I feel like Adam Savage has mentioned something in the past. It seems about like the time period from which they would be drawing material to work speed on. Speed bus jump. Whoa! They did. Did they do it? Yes. Yes. Oh my god! Wait, how, I'm surprised you don't remember. Oh this. my gosh! How did I? Well, this was, was in the... 2009. Well, Hold on a sec. I'm, I'm looking. A bus can jump over a 50-foot gap in a roadway, land safely on the other side, and continue driving. Busted! The build team acquired a bus with the same dimensions as that used in the film, then built a small-scale model of it as well as the stretch of road in question. Running at a calculated speed of 20 miles per hour for the model, presumably, the bus plunged off the end of the road and crashed into the support post at ground level on the other side. When the gap was halved, the bus still dropped far enough to hit the far end of the roadbed head on. they weren't going 20 miles mm. the The team theorized that hidden ramps placed on either end of the gap may have helped the bus to make its jump safely. After outfitting their full bus size for remote control steering on an airfield, they did a speed test and found that it could go up to 58 miles an hour rather than the 70 miles per hour depicted in the film. With the 50-foot target distance scaled down to allow for the lower top speed, they jumped the bus off a ramp. It fell far short of the target, but remained oh. relatively intact until it hit a concrete safety barricade. <laughs> Since okay. the bus could not make the jump, the team declared the myth busted. Mm. So they might have been okay, they just wouldn't have gotten across the gap and then would have like hit something immediately afterward. Yeah. And <laughs> exploded. Um... Okay, interesting. Well, fine. I guess speed wasn't a documentary. <laughs> um, well, it's it's that that scene in particular is weird because a lot of angles of that shot make it look like it's just a flat piece of roadway. Yeah, with with a section missing. True. But then, right as they jump, it makes it look like it's it's on a curve, and they go off like the far left side and hope that that's enough of a ramp. Um, yeah. and it's angled slightly up, mm. so it's just it's inconsistent even within the film itself what the angle of of departure was Hmm. um well so ridiculous bus jumps aside yeah yeah (laughs) they make their way to an airport where they're able to just circle Circle. safely for like 10 minutes um they try and disable the bomb and then he punches the gas tank and they pull him up through the flooring and he figures out there's a camera and they pull the old uh looping tape of the security camera trick um, Which honestly probably would have fooled me. Like, and he catches on probably sooner than I would. Have. I mean, it fooled him for a while. That's true. It did that, I, and I guess that was the whole point. But then he he happened to notice a little detail that was looping, right? Um, or or that was like looping in a way that clearly wasn't seamless. Like when yes. you see a gift that isn't quite seamless. <laughs> um, and um they oh get gosh. everyone off the bus yeah but it, the bus yeah, drives it into a plane and explodes right it just straight into this plane like i said or like like caleb said and like i was thinking the property damage alone they should have just ponied up the money like it that it's ridiculous um i don't even know how much a, a plane like that would cost let's find out <laughs> do you know what type of plane it was yeah, i'm just gonna say jumbo jet in 2019, a single 747 A Intercontinental. I mean, we probably don't want an Intercontinental. And you probably don't want 2017 um, or 2019 or whatever. That's it was. close enough for our purposes. To 1994. No, we can estimate. Can we? I don't know what the we rate can, of inflation. We is okay. Like. Let's go with 400 million. Oh. For a jumbo jet. Uh, I think the rate of inflation when I looked it up for three million in nineteen ninety four was equal twenty million now. Oh, well, no um, my man's was going so hard for it. I guess. 
three million in nineteen ninety four today would be um okay so it's only a scale of one to one point eight so not as much as I thought actually mm. um wow that's bad okay I thought I understood yeah. this guy before because I thought the rate of inflation was different than the result I'm getting now um so it literally was just like five million. Like, more, for, more or less, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, not worth it. Not worth it, man. Anyway, the plane was worth more than that. Yes, basically. Fortunately, I'm sure... I, I'm sure airlines have very good insurance. <laughs> Airline insurance. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Anyway. Um, that's... Yeah, They so, think they've saved the day, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. It's great. Um, they, they make a daring escape from the bus. It crashes into the plane... Uh, there's like a cute moment where they're like talking to each other. You're like, yeah, this is the end. <laughs> but then it isn't. Um, they drive to the city. They're in an ambulance. He gets off the ambulance because they realize the guy's still out there and he wants his money still. And Sandra Bullock gets off the bus or not the bus, the ambulance. Which you never get out of the... No. Bad I know. I was kind of confused. I don't by care that. how I was claustrophobic like, what is she you doing? felt. She just wants some fresh air. She'd been stuck That's inside a speeding, fair. exploding That's, bus yeah. for the last I hour or two. I get that. I get that. Um, and so she gets kidnapped. And it's not spot, clear how he manages to grab her either. Like, since they're right on a busy street, he walks like, up to her around. dressed as a cop. Yo, the I think cops... I went to the bathroom for that part. I totally forgot. No, you're yeah, right. Yeah, the cops are all looking at the trash can no, where they dump the money. Yes. And she's like a block Wait, away. Wait, she doesn't know what he looks like. No, okay, right. right. They don't I'm know what he looks it. like. He walks up in uniform and just says, "Will you come with me?" Oh, this this reminds me of 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 flight plan, but we'll talk about that oh, later. Mm, yeah, except that's much mother. more of a plot point. Uh, yes, flight plan. Yes, but it's making me um, think of overarching things that right. are done in so both these movies. <laughs> he gets the money, and he has Sandra Bullock as a hostage, and he gets on a subway, and Keanu Reeves chases him. Um, the man was too stupid after how smart he was he was too stupid to assume that they would have put ink tags in the money bags i mean i wouldn't have ass- i didn't know that i didn't know that was the thing he would have known it was a that's thing. fair he and he was a cop yeah you're right that, he would have mm, known that mm. there would probably be ink tags of some sort in the money yeah um because they don't just give uh uh people who take hostages the money right they have some sort of that there's a plan to it right um and the money makes the bills unusable and makes him trackable um yeah i said the money the bill the ink the ink makes the money the bills unusable and makes him trackable Hmm. uh him and keanu reeves have stupidly have a a very this man fight. crawls onto the top of this bus to beat up Keanu Reeves, and I'm like, "Why would you do this?" Sorry, not a bus, a speeding subway. He cr- he climbs up there to punch him, and I'm like, "What are men smoking? <laughs> like, why would you get out of?" The- ah, he's so mad. He goes up there to fucking punch this guy, and would you say that he kind of lost his head? Oh my god. <laughs> Oh I would. Jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> you straight to jail right now. <laughs> Fucking hell. I would, yes. I and then, and then the, <laughs> because the guy shot the, the. Oh, the, the subway driver. The, yeah. The guy who, I don't even know what you call him. The guy who was. The conductor? The con- sure. <laughs> um, he also shot like the steering or he broke it intentionally. I don't remember. 
um, not the steering, the the speed. This man hates moving vehicles. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves is like, oh no, the track is ending. Oh no, another um, track that isn't track- finished. LA, work on your infrastructure, they man. They were, they were trying. They were, they were in the um, middle of it. And it's, <laughs> I, it's kind of funny that the solution to this is we gotta make it go as fast as yeah, possible. Yeah, we need so more jump, speed. So it'll jump the track. Yep. Yeah. And then somehow ride all the way up this unfinished okay. subway entrance into the middle of the street. All the way. Once again, a miracle no one was killed here. Right. Like a goddamn miracle from the Lord. And like, then and then after it comes to a stop, they lay in the wreckage making out and I'm like, get the fuck out of there. That's relatable. You don't know how structurally stable <laughs> that subway car is. It has gone through way more than a subway uh... car is supposed to and is now on its side. Oh my god, imagine you're in the middle of making out with, like, Keanu Reeves or whatever. You think that, like, this is the high point of your life, and then you get killed by, like, a falling beam. And you were right. That was the <laughs> that high was point, the of, your point of your life. That was the Because it's the over. <laughs> and that's where the movie ends, is just zooming out of the crashed subway car that they're making out in. No, that's fantastic. That's the best way this movie could have ended. What, is it going to end in some police station? Like, you did good. Kid? No, no. That was a good place for it to end. <laughs> Um, I, I do love that he's feeling so good after he, he like just got the news that his like partner and, and presumably best friend was killed in a bomb, like Damn. He was two <laughs> days from retirement. <laughs> it was pretty dark because you know, just earlier in the movie he was like, Oh, you shot me in the leg a few inches and they would have been giving the medal to my wife. Well, now they are giving a medal to his wife because he's cause he's dead, so that's fun. But anyway, thank you, Jeff Daniels, uh, with the for your old sacrifice. With the new, I always yeah, say. God. It's fine. Keanu Reeves is now hooking up with Sandra Bullock. We didn't need Jeff Daniels anyway. His dumb wife can have the medal, I guess. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stark, man. But, but yeah, so, so that is speed. Um, and I, I just had such a good time even just imagining I was watching this movie. It's really fun. It's really great. No, it was. It's a great popcorn movie. It is entertaining from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a movie, 10 out of 10. No, I also, I like how even when, like, the, the, like, cutesy little, like, relationships based on intense circumstances don't last dialogue between those two characters they're like acknowledging that it's just like a fun popcorn flick that's like not yeah. deep that and she's like well we'll just have to base it on sex and i'm like see this is the movie knowing what it is and that's good a yeah. movie should a movie should know what it is if if i were to make a list of movies to show someone who had never seen movies before to be like this is movie i would probably put speed somewhere on the list this is like movie. this is this is a movie. It does this exactly is what, what a, movie a movie can be. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly what it does exactly what it needs to do. Right. And or yeah, I would say like there are movies that are this is what a movie can be. There are movies that are this is what a movie should be. And then there are movies that are like this is what a movie is. You know, like <laughs> it's just like this is what a movie is. Like in a, in the best possible way. Like you go to a movie, you want to see some cool shit. You want to see some 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 sexy people. You want to hear some funny lines. You want to be entertained the right. entire time. Oh yeah, with the exception of the opening credits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you want the opening credits to trick you into thinking you'll be bored. Right, but and then, then the pull rest the rug of it, out. The rest of it is entertaining from beginning to end. Exactly. I would watch it again. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No, no. but it's entertaining from start to finish. And sometimes that's all I need a movie right. to be. 
for someone who loves themes as much as myself, you know, you would think I would maybe be a little more left dry by this movie, but like it, but, but, but because it is so good at doing exactly what it sets out to do, that's something I very much appreciate in a movie because you know how some movies they start out and they clearly intend to be going for something like something with a capital S and yet they never quite get there. That's like the most frustrating thing for a movie. And this is like the opposite of that. So yeah, it's good. You, sh you should watch it. Um, especially now that we're having like the, the Kiana Sans. Um, he, he, he's at his most action Keanu here. And I think you, you would really enjoy it if you like any of that. So yeah, do it. And that is more words than I ever thought I would say about the movie Speed. <laughs> we'll see you in the next half for Flight Plan, a movie I had never heard of before a week ago. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Now back to the show. All right, we are back from the break. And we are here to talk about Light Plan. 2006? 6? 5. 5? 5. 5. Okay, I really don't remember. <laughs> I really don't. Fine, well, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm an ass, but I mean, I, I am an ass. It's no 2005. 2005, okay. 2005. A movie no one ever talks about. <clears throat> I've never heard of it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> this, okay, to be fair, the only reason this movie was even on my radar, I guess we're jumping right into experiences, or... I am jumping right into experiences is that um I um like a lot of movies from this era kind of like the the mid 2000s I remember seeing like advertisements for it um and it was at that interesting stage of my life where like I was starting to get really interested in movies and pop culture and yet couldn't quite experience it yet because like we didn't have a TV and we didn't go to the theater and that kind of thing um, so I would see these advertisements for movies and I would get so interested in them just because they would look really, I don't know, they would look cool. They would look interesting. Um, but, but I couldn't experience them yet. So I had to spend years wondering what they were about. And that's why to this day, I still every now and then watch a shitty movie from the 2000s, which by the way, this movie isn't shitty. I'm just, you know, I'm saying that some of the movies that I watch are shitty because I'm so curious about them. Like, I have to know. Like, so mm -hmm. many movies from that time period, I remember thinking, I, I, I need to know what this is about. Oh, I desperately need to see that movie where, with Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson where they break into a building and steal SAT answers. <laughs> the perfect score. Yeah, I desperately need to see We're going to have to watch that one and record it for the podcast because we've talked about it like two or three times now. <laughs> <laughs> our recordings i know it's gonna be so i i have this feeling and this could be wrong or right that it's gonna be bad but not even bad in like a fun way just bad and i'm like well that sure was a movie kind of way like and yet i have to know <laughs> anyways <laughs> i remember seeing advertisements to this movie and i think somehow uh uh, learning what it was about that it was about like a woman whose daughter goes missing on a flight and I was like ooh, like I was so interested in that premise um 
And um, I only just now watched it um, a few weeks ago. Like I said, shortly after I watched Speed, um, I watched this movie on Amazon Prime. And, um, I, yeah, I, I was just really excited to finally get to watch it because I had wondered about it for years. And, um, yeah, I, I actually I really liked it. Um, it has a pretty low score on Letterboxd. I don't know about on other platforms. It's not, like, it, it's not bad by any no, any means. I don't remember exactly what the score was. I mean, it might not have been that low. It, it was around the the three range, maybe slightly less, maybe slightly more. I can't remember. But um, I I don't know. I I like it a lot, and I think in particular, I think it's really well edited and really well like directed. Yes, um, the editing. They they this movie is so spot on with the editing that they go out of their way in the opening like credit sequence, just balls to the wall with like every trick in the book. Like here's a name and here it is reflected on a bus. Yeah. And then this this name is like cleverly wiped <laughs> as it like goes past a window. And no, they're like, just pulling it's, out. It's yeah, it's trying very hard, but in like a good way. Like it's trying and succeeding. Right, because it's not just the gimmicks in the opening credits. It actually, as it the movie goes on, like the the sequences are very very no, well edited. It, it's fun to watch just because of that. Like e- even barring anything else, like it's fun to watch because of the interesting cinematography and editing, edit, editing. Um, which I always really like. I always love the visuals in a movie, and I think this one's really good in that department. Um, and we'll we'll get into the other stuff in a minute. But uh, anyways, just yeah, just right off the bat, I would say I I think this this movie is a, a pretty good good little tight little thriller. Like it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's a it's an enjoyable watch. And just because I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. I don't know how many people have seen it. I would recommend checking it out. Uh, Caleb, what about you? Yeah. It's an hour and a half long, and it it keeps your attention the entire time. That's, that's all I need. It's tense. Yeah, like it's we said with the last one. the entire time. To- you're constantly wondering what's going to happen next or how this is going to get resolved. Um, it has a, a, a fairly gripping story and a satisfying ending. Yeah. Yeah, the first thing I would say about this movie is that I think it is best on the first watch. Oh. Um, which isn't to say I didn't enjoy it on the second watch. I definitely did. But the second watch, I was more enjoying it for, um, like I said before, the editing and the cinematography and uh, some of the acting choices. I think the story, once you know the twists, it... Um, maybe loses just a little bit of rewatch value Mm. because you're like, well, maybe it's because that first time is so, you're so locked in. You're like, what the hell is going on? And how is this going to resolve? Like it holds your attention so much that first time. And then the second time, like when you already know that you're like, right, right, right. And, and then, and then, and then like, you know, um, but you know, that being said, I, I do think there are, there is a lot of artistic value to it, as we already went over. Um, but that being said, the first watch for me was so intense. Like, I was just like, actually, you know, <laughs> since we're getting right into it, one thing that I actually really liked about it was that it kind of uses the whole 
ex was dead the whole time against you or like not against you but as like uses it to kind of trick you because in the second act when they come in with the what seems to be the big twist of like your daughter's dead like she she's not here you are imagining her like it's it fucks with you because of two things one it seems to make perfect sense and the way the movie has set it up you think oh Yes, of course that's what it is. And yet then you realize the movie still has a lot of time left. <laughs> and so that's when you know it can't be that simple. So it, it really messes with you um, in a way that I thought was really fun. Like, because <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't think the ex was dead the whole time has ever worked except in... Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Come on, Stephanie. I almost Scrub said it. Scrub spoiled it back I in like 2003. You're no. fine. Anyway, I don't think it has worked since that movie. <laughs> um, and maybe it hadn't even worked before then. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> it, but the movie really does make you think for a hot second that that's where it's going. And um, which, you know... It leads into how the whole movie is basically about gaslighting, um, which is a very overused term, as we all know by now, because people don't realize what it actually means. A lot of people use it to mean lying, and yet it's actually a lot more complicated and insidious than that. Like, actual gaslighting, and well, actual in what it's come to mean, means making someone doubt that their reality is the true reality, making someone doubt their own sanity. Um... And that is almost word for word what is going on in this movie. Um, basically, uh, Jodie Foster's character, the main character, who's named Kyle. Cool um, unisex name there. I feel like that was um, popular in the 2000s. Yeah, I think it was. Um, it, Which, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's funny because Kyle is such a, like, bro name. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, her name is Kyle something. Um but it doesn't get said a lot for some reason, unlike in Speed, where everyone's constantly calling him Jack. Not important. Anyways, so, um, basically, the entire movie is structured around someone uh, making her feel, not, not just her feel like she is going crazy, but making the people around her believe that she is crazy. Um, which is, I don't know. I think it works really well because... It even, it puts the audience also in that position of thinking that. And I think also that's why it works well to have her, to have the protagonist be a woman, for one thing, and also be a a woman who is grieving and has just recently gone through a pretty devastating loss, the loss of her husband. And so <laughs> everyone has every reason to believe that she is suffering a psychotic episode or something like that well, and it's really good because the entire second act you don't know either as the viewer you are not given enough information right you want to believe she's right because she's the main character and you're on her side to like to begin with but you're p placed in as much doubt as any other random person on this plane right it puts you in the position of it a third party onlooker on the plane and asks you, you know, what you would think in this scenario. And it's 
no knock against you to think, oh, well, yeah, she's she's probably losing it. Like, and understandably, I mean, like, you, you, you're kind of in the position of a sympathetic onlooker. You're like, she is probably losing it, but you, you have to have some compassion for her. Her husband just, as far as you know, committed suicide a few days ago. And she, and you know, then once it gets revealed, Big spoilers for this movie, by the way. I, you know, it, we're gonna spoil everything. Yeah, we're gonna spoil it. So if don't you, listen to this, right? <laughs> don't listen from this point onward yeah. if you haven't seen Flight. If Plan. you want to go watch it and you care about spoilers, this would be the point to stop. That being said, um, you would believe that this woman has both lost her husband and her daughter, like all at once, and. If anyone's <laughs> entitled to suffering a complete break with reality, it would be her. So you're like, oh, of course. But then you're kind of playing into the movie's hand, which I think is cool. You know, like, uh, um, I love a movie that can be like, it would be perfectly reasonable to think this thing. And yet here's what's going on. I don't know. It, but it doesn't feel mean-spirited. I guess in some movies it kind of can. Like, oh, you're stupid for thinking this. In this movie it's more no, like... No, you're supposed to question Right, you you're obviously supposed would to think not this. Know. They give you just enough information to make you not really decide one way or the other. And, and, and the moment that you realize the truth is like the beginning of the third act. Like yes, that's what marks yes. it. Importantly... You go on that journey, not just with the people on the plane, but with her. Like, right. I would argue there is a point where she actually sincerely begins to doubt that what she is experiencing is real. Right. And like, the moment she realizes the truth is the same moment you that do. You and do. That's, right, I right. would argue, is probably the beginning of the third And environment. that's true. That's a really good, like, it's always good when a movie can pretty seamlessly get you on the same page as its character or get you where it wants to be very quickly and and in the moment when she realizes it the way it's framed i guess is the important part the way it's framed is not oh of course she's still going down this rabbit hole of delusion the way it's framed is very much she is realizing this and the audience is also realizing it so you are on the same page with her you're like oh she's not crazy this is really happening mm -hmm. um which i think is pretty cool like to keep um, us on the same speed as her and um Anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, I do think that I like the way that it is kind of a, a complete exercise in gaslighting someone, um, and yet that person being able to have, like, a touchstone that brings them back to reality, mm -hmm. um, I thought was a really, really interesting choice, because I think that added an important dimension to her character. Like, if she just insisted that she wasn't crazy the entire time... It would make sense, but it wouldn't be quite as interesting. But what actually happens is she starts to think that maybe she is crazy. Like, especially when she's talking to the, the therapist. therapist lady, um, who, you know, is, is obviously, like, no fault to her. It has every reason to believe that this woman is, is suffering a break with reality and is trying to, to help her. Um, and um, Jodie Foster's character is actually kind of... <laughs> legitimately beginning to think like you can see it on her face beginning to think like oh i might actually be losing it right and it's you're also questioning everyone at this point yes. because before they drop the whole your daughter's dead um bomb you're on her side completely and wondering 
who's in on this, right? So the the options are either her daughter is missing and a lot of people are in on it. Mm-hmm. It only turns out to be three, and that was enough. Um, or she's crazy. And so you don't know. She she says there's a conspiracy, and you side with her for a while before the you know before you start to think she might be crazy, and you're just sitting there wondering who's in on this. Is the every flight attendant? Mm. Is the captain? Is it is puts the you therapist? In the exact same position as her, like of of being paranoid and looking at every person around you as a potential threat. Right, and it's funny because it ends up only being two people on the plane. That are yes. that are in on it, and that was enough because one of them, right. which is another the other side to this movie, one of the people responsible for this is pretending to be an authority figure. Mm. He's pretending to be an air marshal, and because he's an authority figure, well, he is an air marshal. Is he an air marshal? Right? I think he actually is. I could be wrong about this, but I think he okay. actually is an air marshal. He's using he's an that air marshal, and he's taking advantage of it because people will just believe what he says and trust him inherently. See, that was yeah, that was one of my favorite parts about the movie was that the twist, you know. The twist being that she's not crazy, that someone actually has been orchestrating this and gaslighting her. It makes so much sense because in, he even says this, you know, when he's doing his cocky little villain speech where he's like, you know, if you show someone a badge or whatever, you show you're an authority figure, people will just go along with anything. And that's like a big oof. Right. Yeah, he's that's a, true. He's in such a position of authority that the only other authority figure on the plane, the captain, listens to what right, he says. Right, exactly. Even the captain. It. And, right, who is presented as a sympathetic person and is trying to do the best in his position, a Sean Bean role where he does not die, fortunately. Um, <laughs> but even he, like, has to listen to the air marshal guy because he's the law. Right, you know? the captain believes every word out of this man's mouth up, even up until the mm-hmm. very end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I really liked that. And, you know, <laughs> I, won't, I won't necessarily give this this movie credit for more than it was necessarily doing but on the other hand you know we we did mention briefly about this being in the post 9-11 era you know the the mid 2000s um i i would say there's something very interesting about having a movie about an airplane hijacking or an airplane bombing or whatever um this shortly after 9-11 and having kind of the big twist that be that if someone who looks trustworthy and someone who's in an authority position tells you something that you're just going to believe it and go along with it. Wow. I wonder who was in an authority position and told people something and had people go along with it. Right. See, post 9-11, America wasn't just uh, rabid patriotism and reaction uh, reactionary. Um, it was also a lot of people being angry at the reactions and the the you know the war and the crackdowns on right there, and, there and were people was, on the other side of this like, right definitely. it was just <laughs> it was very much a sweeping cultural fervor you know but and i like i said i i don't know i maybe would love to look up some interviews with the director or or the actors and and see if there's any kind of commentary on this because it seems pretty significant that this point was made. I mean, even <laughs> even in the course of the story, 
attention is turned to um, Middle Eastern passengers, which I'll admit the first time I saw this, like I just full body cringed when this started happening. I was like, please no, please no. Okay, I want like... <laughs> what was up with the whole seeing them out of her window thing? Um, I'm pretty sure she did actually see them. They just happened to be staying at a hotel that was across the street from where she was staying? Wait, okay, now that I think about it, I don't know if she... The movie doesn't show it very clearly. No, because... I don't know if she actually saw them or if she saw some guys that she just assumed they were Middle Eastern right. and thought I'm they only, were those guys. I'm only just now realizing that Whoa. that was not really resolved. <laughs> no, like, it wasn't. So, so the night before they leave for the flight, she looks out the window and sees two guys in an in a room across, in a, I need to actually across watch the street it and, like, pause it and, and they're like part. staring yeah. directly in her window at yeah. her yeah and then she sees the guys on the plane and she's like i saw you you were staring at my daughter's window last night and they're like we'll show you the receipt for the hotel we were staying at and they do and then jody foster isn't even like that hotel's across the street from our apartment like right. there's just nothing okay that's true of it so like mm. who the fuck did she see Standing outside uh, or standing in the uh, yeah, I need to actually look and see if it's those same actors or if it's oh god, just different Middle Eastern men that she just assumed was those I guys because she's being just, racist. They could have just used the same actors in the movie and it would have been just as effective because they're at a distance and you're not gonna get a look at them. That's it's true, good that's enough. True. Um, yes, that's true. But of course, either way, then the whole plane starts to them. turn on them. Yes, and right, and it obviously, and I mean, it's lampshaded in the script, like the fact that they are that they're um, Arab, and and you know, and that ha that couldn't be anything other than pointed in that era. Of course, I think that it's interesting in. Well, Speed doesn't do this quite as directly because, you know, this was pre-9-11. But I think in Speed, Sandra Bullock says something like, did we bomb this guy's country? Or, And it just ends up being, no, he just wants money. Which is the exact same thing as the other white guy who is also an authority law enforcement figure in flight Whoa. plan. <laughs> Whoa. I love it when we find comparisons between a movie <laughs> that and we already decided an to hour do an, an hour deep into the, into an episode. Yes. <laughs> I know no, I kind of love that too because it kind of shows how a starting premise can lead to other Right, just a feeling can, yeah. can yeah. have actual No, it, it actually can. It. But see, and that's one thing that I kind of really love about these movies is that both of them are about you think it's going to be this person who is very much an outsider. You think it's going to be some, like, a foreign person or, like, you know, a person of color. But no, it's actually just a white guy who wants money. <laughs> like, as are so many of the people that we now encounter as our own antagonists in life. Um, and you Damn know, you, like, Monopoly man. <laughs> The fucking Monopoly man hijacking a plane or a bus or a subway. Never trusted him. No, I mean, who who would? Not with that mustache. Um, yeah. So, anyway, so that's that's a red herring. Um, and it is a little dark because even uh, the the um the guy who ends up being the bomber is like, oh, so you're going to accuse uh, some Arab guys of, like, implying that she's racist? And he obviously wanted this to happen. It's it's a whole thing. 
Um, but anyway, so it's not those guys. And so the movie kind of progresses. Um, she keeps trying all these things. And I think like Speed, it's, it is believable in that it goes through all these steps of like, this is what you believe would happen in this situation. Like they're on a plane. Of course, she has to convince them to lock down the lock down the plane. Okay, obviously no one can leave the plane. She has to convince them to have everyone stay in their seats and search the plane, that kind of thing. Um, um, this completely massive plane that is the size of like Unrealistic. an ocean liner. It's so huge. Like, I want to go on this plane. I want to just like walk around this plane. I want to jog around this plane. <laughs> because you could. You really could. Um, it's really cool. There's an entire bar and everything. It's um, too stories the plane Actually, is too damn it's, big it's more than two stories because it also has an attic and a basement. oh yeah it's like four stories um yeah no but it's really cool and <laughs> it makes me think of all the flights we've been on that are just like well here's uh, the plane like, i haven't flown anything other than southwest in over 10 years yeah it's just two little rows three on each side you walk down the middle it's a it's a small it's a cozy little plane um but this one's fucking huge um, but it's cool because it's all kind of set on that same location and you kind of get to know it in that same way that like, um, Kyle, <laughs> Jodie Foster's character knows the plane and that's what she starts to figure out is she's being targeted because she knows the plane because right, she's an she engineer helped, who she designed it. it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you see all the different. I thought that was also a cool part of the movie was getting to see all the different parts of a plane that, you know, a passenger usually wouldn't get to see. Um, I really enjoyed that, especially like avionics. I was like, oh, I don't know what that is, but I'm glad we're getting to see it. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we've gone through most of the plot, mostly. Uh, of course, skipping the part where she completely terrorizes an entire, like, uh, an entire right. she bunch makes of people. 425 people think that they're all about to die. Oh yeah, she starts messing with the wires. She makes the oxygen masks come down. People start screaming. The lights cut Justifiably. out. Justifiably. Oh, I would have been screaming my fucking ass yeah, yeah, this, off. This is one of those movies where like, was Jodie Foster justified in everything she did? <laughs> you, you know, you a good lawyer could argue yes, <laughs> but... The legalese of this, of how this yes. all shakes out, would be mm. intensely complicated because, like, was she right? Did someone kidnap yeah. her daughter and was going to blow up the entire plane? Right. Yes. But also... <laughs> she... Yeah. Well, it's it all depends on where you put yourself, like, your POV. Like, if you imagine yourself as... Or, okay, if I imagine myself as Jodie Foster and my six-year-old daughter is missing, and I feel pretty convinced that someone has her and has something sinister planned. Yes, I'm going to do some pretty, like, questionable shit to get her back. On the other hand, if you imagine that you're an innocent passenger on this plane and some crazy lady is, like, messing with the wires, she's making you think the, pl she's making you think the plane's going to go down. The oxygen masks are falling. There, oh, it's also said specifically in the text there are, like, 32 children on this flight. You're there with your kids. You really think your entire family's about to die, like. And then at the end, she sinister. does blow up the plane. Oh yeah, she, she did not. Does. She didn't plant the bombs, but she, but she blew did up. blow up the plane <laughs> to kill 
to kill a single guy, which, you know, was in self-defense, so you might be able to get away yes. with it, but also it's Canada, but also a plane is probably worth more than the courts have decided human life is worth. Ooh. It's it's incredibly complicated. It wouldn't just be the That's FBI shows true. up and, and, and is like, we're sorry, ma'am, we're glad you have your daughter. Will you come <laughs> with us? We'll take you home now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now that I think about it, I, now I'm questioning... Was it necessary for her to blow him up? She probably wouldn't have been able to get out of there with her daughter because she would have had to, like, climb the ladder or something. I guess that's true. But he also wasn't armed. She made him give up his gun. Like, that was a whole thing that the movie, like, No, he like, had a second on. gun, my love. Oh, he pulled he? it out of his sock. The way I didn't remember this. Whoops. <sighs> embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I swear to God. I mean, honestly, that's kind of a compliment to this movie. You look away for just a second and you miss something, like, because it's just that fast-paced. But, like, okay. Yes. So she probably did have to blow him up. <laughs> but, to be fair, screenwriting-wise, we did talk about this a little bit. It was fairly clever to hinge her entire guilt or innocence sanity or insanity on the existence or non-existence of one person which is her daughter um like it basically the way you are led to believe and and the way the people on the plane and the crew of the plane are led to believe that she is imagining that her daughter is there and that her daughter is actually dead like a little girl who has not even been on the plane like the way they are are led to believe that it stands to reason that if she produces the daughter mm -hmm. if she produces the little girl it basically proves her entire story uh, Stephanie, what sort of evidence is incredibly unreliable a child's existence eyewitness oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> eyewitness evidence is incredibly unreliable well yes um and that i think is 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 shown in the story like the way the one uh flight attendant <laughs> which honestly respect to her they ask like did you see the little girl and she's like i really don't know <laughs> like i, I relate way. to that yeah <laughs> like <laughs> um but that's also something that what's his face the the bad guy says like you know like it, because I'm an authority figure, if I... He can suggest a reality. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and... if I walk by with a child, if I tell someone something's true, like, they're just gonna accept it. Like, which is what it all hinges on. Another example of the, if you look away for five seconds and you'll miss it, mm. um, filmmaking in this movie, is that when they first get on the plane, her daughter breathes on the window and draws a little heart. Mm. And then that no, I heart that. showing up on the window is what makes her realize that her yeah. daughter is, in fact, <laughs> you okay there, my love? I'm fine. Is in fact still alive. Like yes. if you happen to look away and not catch that first part, you'd be like, "What?" Fortunately, <laughs> I did actually catch that part. No, I, and that's the cool thing about movie magic. Like even when I was like, "Oh." she is actually imagining her daughter is on board like the moment it showed that i was like oh that that child is alive like it's just it's that unspoken understanding between you and the movie when it shows you something like that that's like something that's supposed to be emotionally real something that's supposed to like tug on your heartstrings a little bit 
and like something that the protagonist looks at with with that kind of knowledge like you just know it's real like you just know the movie isn't tricking you thank you movie for not tricking me like i don't know it's 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 so cool i love how movies can do that you know it's just like They'll they'll jerk you around, but then they'll they'll show you something that you just kind of know isn't jerking you around. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that Jodie Foster knows it, <laughs> um, and, and I I really love that too because it's like I don't know I guess inwardly she's like I wouldn't have drawn that hard <laughs> that had to have been my six-year-old daughter but also she knows she can't say anything about it at this point in time right i mean the entire plane is convinced she, that she plays her cards really well right the entire plane is convinced that she has snapped so she can't just be like look my daughter drew this heart on the window three right. hours ago she's alive everyone would be like yes. okay lady and, <laughs> and i think that's what keeps her as a really interesting protagonist too because even when you are starting to doubt her sanity and she's starting to doubt her sanity She's never acting irrationally. She's always acting how you admittedly would probably act if if your six-year-old child was missing and you had reason to believe that something bad had happened to them. Right, and if you're already paranoid. Oh, yeah. Because your husband, who was not suicidal to your knowledge, died. You saw some... You thought you saw people staring into your daughter's window the previous night. Right. I... The... This the first act of this movie really sets up a lot of is someone after them? Why? Who is after them? Was her her husband on like the wrong side of the mob or something? It make the first act of this movie makes you really feel like they are on the wrong side of someone, and there are yeah. a group. There is a group of very dangerous people after them. Oh, it's great at fostering paranoia. And the realization that that's not true at all. I, I mean, kind of. Like it's it's, it's, it's more they I mean, were targeted. True, they were targeted. Not in the way you would think. But like they weren't gonna get kidnapped on the way to the airport. Right. Nobody it was, was all gonna part of the plan. take them out in an alley and plug them, you know. It was it it yeah. was she was right, but like not for the reasons you think. Yeah. Right, right. And and I do like the beginning of the movie, though it's a little confusing. It's a little confusing. It jumps around. <laughs> I remember seeing it the first time with her, like, jumping back and forth between, I think, her waiting for a train and, like, flashing back to her seeing her husband's dead body. Um, I was like, what is going on? But then it does make sense in retrospect. And it's all there to, once again, make you doubt what you're seeing it's it's the intercutting is meant to make you think this woman is in a very fragile mental state and could be imagining all of this (sighs) the coup de chat at least i'm gonna call it that it's like it's drawn out it's extended the editing but it's the fact that it's these shots in juxtaposition with these shots is what causes the uncertainty i also thought it was interesting Uh, i don't know the the point where um the the little girl who, whose name I don't remember was afraid to go outside and she said what if I hide you and so even then it's like the girl is hidden like once again you're doubting her existence you're like what if what if she's just imagining that she's bringing her dead daughter onto this airplane <laughs> like and and it it gets really dark for a second because it's like, mm, what if this guy just committed suicide and like murdered his daughter along with it? And you're like, oh, well, that's not how I was hoping this would end. <laughs> but I remember Caleb asked me 
when we were watching it. He was just like, does it have happy ending? Oh, God. There's there's one particular misdirect where I, I didn't say it when I first thought of it because I, you know, what I, I didn't want to see what your reaction would be when I said it. Oh, no. What was um, it? It ended up being something that the that Jodie Foster's character was had. She, she was worried about the same thing, too. What, what and it ended it? up not being the case. So when her daughter first goes missing, there's, like, a shot that goes through the cargo hold and then, like, lands on the, her husband's casket oh, and then no. cuts back. And I was like, oh, God, are they going to hide the little girl in her dad's oh, casket? Oh, no. And then guess what? When Jodie Foster escapes, she what does, does she do? That it, she goes yes. straight for the casket. Because yes. she is also, she literally calls her daughter's name and is afraid. She, she Dude, thinks that, that when she finds stressful. the casket that her daughter was going to be in there, too. And so I was like, okay, one, I was supposed to think that. Yes. I'm not, I'm not dumb or crazy. <laughs> and two, I'm glad that. that wasn't the case. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, that would be way too dark even for this movie. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but no. no I was right, worried right. there for a second. Yeah, no, I was too. But I think I also, I think part of the reason I like this movie so much, which I'm beginning to realize is, a make or break for why I like a lot of movies <laughs> is that it does have a happy ending. <laughs> um, and, and you know, it's it could have very, very easily had a very depressing ending of like, oh, your daughter actually is dead. She died in a murder-suicide with your husband. You're all alone now forever. Goodbye. <laughs> like, right. The only movie allowed to not have a happy ending is Infinity War. <laughs> And that's only because it has a sequel guaranteed to come after it. I mean, yeah, but also no. I still enjoyed the okay. shit out of it even before Endgame came yes. out. Yes, no, I, I, I love Infinity War and we should talk about it at some point. Um, I think that this movie could have justifiably had a sad ending. I will say that. Like, yes. given the tone of it, I think there is a way they could have pulled out the your daughter and husband were dead the whole time thing. And it would have worked, but I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Um, um, I, I really love that. It's just such a nice, satisfying moment where you're like, <laughs> the whole time with Jodie Foster's character, you're like, all right, you might be crazy, but I'm still rooting for you, girl. Like, <laughs> I don't really know what the fuck is going on here, but... And, and that's a testament to both the directing and to, you know, Jodie Foster's acting, which is usually pretty unimpeachable, to be fair. Um, and I like how that's confirmed at the end, you know, like, you want to believe, you, you want to be on her side, right? <laughs> so, um, and while I think she still would have been completely sympathetic, even if she wasn't right about what was happening, you still would have been very sympathetic to her. It's nice that she is right. And that at the end, you know, spoiler alert, once we've talked about the other stuff, she does defeat the guy who hijacked the plane. She comes out with her daughter in her arms. And there's that great moment of everybody looking and being like, huh. Well, I really thought that bitch was crazy, but right. I guess she wasn't. 425 <laughs> people being like, damn. <laughs> glad I don't actually have to apologize exactly. to her. Exactly. Like, glad that I didn't make any prosecutable decisions right, here. Right, 425 people feeling like, well, shit, I feel like a dick. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there was that, like, one guy who was there who was like, well, I believed her the whole time. <laughs> and now gets to be right for his entire life. 
Um, no, it's it's great. And um, oh gosh, uh, I particularly like the um, the moment where <laughs> this might be the most unbelievable moment of the entire movie, at least for dumbasses like myself, um, where she figures out what uh, the guy's the, plan is. Yes. You see it all go through her head, and as he's trying to exit the plane, she's like, hold up. And she's like, fine, if I'm the, if I'm the hijacker, I'm going to be the hijacker. And she's like, you get off the plane when I tell you can, you can get off the plane. And she forces him to come back. Not only come back, but what give up his gun. fucking power move. Exactly. And it's great. And it's great on his end, because it's like, he knows that she has no actual power. She can't actually blow it up. And yet he has but to do what she says. She does because, have the power because of the right, ruse. <laughs> because his entire plan that he came up with hinges on her being the hijacker. Mm-hmm. So oh. he has to go along with it. It's so great. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do this, but congratulations to Jodie Foster for, like, besting him here. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I especially love when uh, Sean Bean gets off the plane and he's like, uh, Godspeed. And he's, just like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, bro, you're dead, but goodbye. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um, no, I, I really love that. And, um, yeah, I... Uh, also, what's his name? Bill Sar- Bill Scar- Skarsgård? Sarsgård? Bill Sarsgård. Sars- okay, so he's not related to the, the Skarsgård acting dynasty. No, he is a Sarsgård. Okay. That's kind of funny. You know they have to get mixed up all the time. Yes. To the extent where he's probably been mistakenly invited to one of their family reunions. <laughs> um, oh, I thought this was the Gurkic party. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's really great. I, I, I love his uh, always sleepy look. Where it's like he always looks like he's totally chill and in control mm-hmm. of the situation, and even that leads he, into the whole the whole point of his character. He was really good because from his first line, I was like, okay, this guy's gonna be important. Is he gonna be good or bad? Right, right. And then you, that and you continues through yeah. most of the movie. He has big, important character energy, which is great. Like you want an actor to have that. Like, and um, he's also totally inscrutable. Oh but yeah, li- literally up to the point where he reveals his plan, you have no idea if he is good or bad. Right, he never he never gives away that. Oh, this this is a bad guy energy. You know, like how sometimes with a character or the way someone plays a character, you're like, yeah, this is someone who has sinister motives. He just seems so totally like whatever. Like I'm just here to do my job. That you don't ever get that. You're just kind of like, what is this guy's deal? And then his deal is that he wants fifty million dollars, <laughs> which same. <laughs> no, I particularly love that moment where he's talking to the captain Sean Bean, and he's like a terrorist letting the entire pa- letting every passenger off like without blowing them up. Like I've never heard of that happening. <laughs> It's hilarious because he's, like, obviously patting himself on the back, like, wow, I'm really woke for not murdering all these people. I really do deserve this money. Which, I mean, you know, it's fair. You you gotta give props to the guy. He only wants to murder one person, and that person is a six-year-old girl, but it's fine. (laughs) Yes. I know. That, That was... 
he really misstepped there. He really overstepped his boundaries when he was talking to his, I guess, flight attendant, girlfriend, accomplice, whatever. And he was like, the only witnesses about this high and his name Julia and it's going to get blown into a million pieces. And I was like, you really just told this person, hey, this six-year-old who I'm going to specifically name and therefore give personhood to is going to get blown into pieces by us. Yeah, like, that was his first mistake. And then she was like, let me run off into the night and not be part of this, but then still get arrested. <laughs> I mean, same. I would have done the same thing the moment he was like, hey, remember the six-year-old who has a name? You're going to blow her up. I would have been like, fine. I'm running off into the Newfoundland wilderness, <laughs> so I don't have to be part of this. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I think that's pretty much the whole movie, right? Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. It's, you know, the... The only time you have to suspend disbelief is the suspension of disbelief that required that is required for you to believe that they orchestrated this entire thing back as far as like the coroner or whatever like who It wasn't just that they murdered her husband. Right, they fucking murdered her. I and got was the that corner. ever clear, clear yes, how that Yes, they happened? threw him off the roof. He straight up pushes the man off the roof. And oh they got God. the corner in on it. Yeah. Presumably, they got the corner in on it before they murdered him. That's... Because why would you murder a guy if you If you had a plan that involved murdering a guy and hinged on the corner, corner going along with it, you'd probably make sure the corner was, you know... On your side before you murdered the guy. They promised the coroner, like, okay, look, two million for you, or whatever. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's, it's a little, like, it pushes belief a little bit, but then you remember the entire premise of this movie is that it's a movie very, very nearly post 9-11 about an airplane hijacking that is requiring us to listen to authority figures, <laughs> you know? And all of this is is not that unbelievable, you know? It's like, in times of crisis, in, in frightening times, we want to listen to the people who seem to be in control and who seem to have our best interests in mind. And I think part of the point of this movie is that, you know, you shouldn't distrust your gut. You know, you shouldn't just accept that something is true just because the white guy with a badge is telling it to you. You know, because maybe that guy's just in it for the money. Wow, big shocker there. Um, I don't know. I, I I think this movie is pretty great in that regard. And I'm just I'm just glad that it didn't go one of the many less <laughs> great routes that it could have gone. Like, oh, it really was just terrorists the whole time or something like that. Nope, it was just a white guy who wanted money. Never seen that before. In a good way, but in a good yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a good movie. These are these are movies about white guys who want money and and love to to target mass transportation because of that. And yeah, they're 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 good movies. I like no, them good. both. You should watch them. I, I agree. And you know what? I think that, that we held our own tonight, even without our dear friend Justin. But we miss him terribly. I think we did too. We did. We did. Fuck him. We will, we will survive. What? No, fuck <laughs> Fuck him, but like in a nice way. It's not my job. <laughs> what? It's my job? I don't know. It's, it's in a fun... Fuck him in a fun... You We're know what? Gonna, it's fine. It's, get, you know, it's fine. 
Yeah. Fine. Yep, we're good. Okay. Um. So 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 where can, where can we find us on social media? Caleb? Oh dear God, I wasn't ready for oh, this. Oh yeah, Justin find, usually uh, does that. You, uh, my name is. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and a letterboxed at Ray's Left Boob. And you can find the show on Twitter at Sounds Phil Millier. You can also find our friend Justin at Blame It On Butler on everywhere. Twitter and also Letterboxd, on right? Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we will catch you guys next week with whatever Something. we end up doing next week. <laughs> we haven't decided yet. <laughs> bye bye. All right, bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at SoundsFamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.